Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Beautiful spring day here in California. Uh, really one unbelievable weekend of sports. I mean, the maybe the most compelling sports moment and that I can remember in the last, I don't know, I, I don't even want to do this hyper, hi, you know, hyperbolically, but like that was the, one of the more compelling sports uh, experiences of the last five, 10 years, you would say, Andy, the Tiger Woods regaining, reclaiming yeah, the green jacket. I will say that, like with full disclosure, I did well on the Masters last year. And I threw darts. Like, I absolutely just threw darts. And we hit, with Patty Reed, we hit a few other side bets. Like, that was accidental. So this year I felt bad and said I'm actually going to, like, do some research. And I did some research. And in in no way, shape, or form with my, you know, some of the data I looked into was I looking to bet Tiger Woods. I said I can't (laughs) do it. So that was, again, like, and I just looked at it and I looked at it and I said, Man, but what if he wins? Because like, he's he's been a little better. He's played a little better this you know this past year. I'm like I'll feel so shitty if I don't have that ticket on the Masters. So he was my last ad. I found him at eighteen to one, and boy, it was, it was so much fun to watch him win. But it made it better to have that ticket, especially because oh man, if I'd have been sitting on just Kepka, because I had Kepka and he was great. He just wasn't quite as good. And that dirty Italian almost messed it up for everybody, but uh, thank God for water. Water is important. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah. It was. The, it was amazing. Like, uh, just and maybe for younger people, they don't. It wasn't as cool for them, but like, if you don't understand like what Tiger Woods meant to the sport and what he was doing, like back, I'm trying to think of which U.S. Open it was where he just. He made everyone else look like they sucked at golf, like the entire field. Like the, it was such a dominant presence for so many years. I hadn't even, I didn't even realize it had been so long. It didn't feel like like ten, eleven years. No, like it's, it didn't. it's been that long, and it, it was crazy. Like great comeback, especially you know. And you don't want to like give a guy a free pass for taking a bunch of you know mixing medications and getting behind the wheel or whatever all the other shit he did with the waitresses and whatnot but like just because something is self you know brought on by your your own actions doesn't mean it doesn't suck. he's he's had a rough go of it plus all the back surgery. so it's nice it was very nice i'm not crying yeah no no uh <laughs> it was you know, it was emotional for sure for sure, uh, as uh, as someone in their thirties, uh, I didn't give two shits about golf when I was a teenager at all. And then Tiger Woods emerged, and uh, it was like, oh wow, this guy is a lot cooler than the old men playing this sport, and he's a lot better. And oh my god, he is a lot better. And then the next thing you know, it was like, wow, like if you tune in to watch golf, you are tuning in to see if anyone can kill the king. Like that was the entirety of the experience of watching golf from like the entire like first half of the 2000s. Uh, and then the field started catching up to him. And the it's it's it is a, you're right. It's amazing. It's a time trip that the last freaking major he had won before this was 2008. It was a time trip that the last master seed won is 2005. Like it, and and it was 
it was also pretty ridiculous to see a guy who's 43. Is he 43? Uh, a guy who's in his 40s yeah. uh, running down 28-year-old Brooks Kepka uh, and, you know, some of the other younger golfers who, you know, who have the physical tools to, you know, to play at a, at a different level, presumably. And yet here he is at 43 playing some of the most superlative golf I've ever seen him play. It was really, really impressive and, and incredible. Uh, and, um, yeah. And the, the, well, and even know, just like, you know, we talked about like how, what it meant, yeah, what it meant to us. And being our age, but like even uh, Tony Finau, like he pretty much said, like Tiger Woods was the reason he thought he could play golf. Like, hey, there's a there's a black guy playing golf, like and he's doing yeah, well. Like I can do that. And yeah. and he was in the and then he was in the final pairing with like that was or you know group. It wasn't a pairing, but that, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> there's probably there's probably multiple guys on tour that like maybe maybe that uh, were inspired. I'm sure that were inspired by. Uh, some of the stuff he did earlier in his career because man it's crazy to think about like how good tiger was was at such an early age like when he first came yeah. on that's that does age us it seems like a long time ago but yeah yeah and i mean it's like like the tiger the downfall of tiger the you know the the pills and the that was the, a crazy the, thanksgiving yeah that thanksgiving story like but believe me like he was such a robot and so lacked personality, lacked like personal appeal um, on so many levels before that happened, which really brought him to back to earth. Um, and uh, it's it is it's it's nuts that uh, that someone who could be that publicly embarrassed, um, you know, would you know, would be able to kind of put their life back together. Uh, and you know, have the confidence. He was. To, he was kind of boring. He just like won this. tournaments. Yeah, yeah, he, he won tournaments. And put chap, like, he put chapstick on. That's yes, all, all it, you'd ever see him. He'd be hitting perfect shots or putting chapstick on. Or, yeah, no, no doubt. Like if you, if person. yeah, if you had a problem for, if you had a problem with Tiger, it was literally that like his answers were canned and robotic, and it seemed like he was, you know, he he really didn't have a personality, or he didn't allow himself to kind of be exposed in terms of what his true person, as we now know. You know, you see the text messages flying around of what he was, you know, what he was texting his mission. It was like, oh, man, there really is a human being there. Uh, and then so for basically for all of that to get exposed and now you kind of, you know, you've seen him, you know, like for who he is. Uh, and it's not great. It's a person with flaws. Uh, and, um, you know, that makes it easier for, you know, easier to cheer for him now, for sure. Uh, the fact that, that like even if you, I, I never was like a super like a hardcore Tiger fan at all. Like, right, like I would watch and I would always kind of be pulling for like who's the next guy that's going to come and knock him off, right? And so it's so it was weird to be in a position of what you know, last couple of years, last couple of majors, like I really want this to happen, like I really want like the nostalgia moment to to happen here to, to see him win one more, even if he's not ever going to be the best in the world at golf again, just to see him win one more uh major tournament was important for some reason. Uh, and for it to be a master's was incredible. Uh, and to do it in that, in that way was incredible where it's like, yeah, he's doing great. And every time he, he put a couple, couple holes of, of, of solid play together, you're like, oh man, he's going to, maybe he has a little run in him. Uh, and then at the end of the day, Saturday, you watch his round Saturday. I'm, I'm sure you saw a lot of it, if not all of it, it was an absolutely like oh, yeah. perfect round of golf. And yet here he was still two back of Molinari and you're like, ugh. 
like this is going to be blue balls where he just kind of gets close, gets close and never freaking gets done. And then you look up Molinari's ditching it in the water on 15. You're like, holy shit, this is really going to happen. This is really going to happen. And then he takes his his tee shot, his tee shot on 16. Was that the most indelible shot of the whole tournament for you? Tiger on 16 coming within a few, a few inches of the cup. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was in. Like, I, I thought, thought that was, was in. Too. I'm like, go ahead. Because that, that, that would have, uh, that would have, uh, absolutely just sealed it. brought down up. the house. As oh, it was, was great. Yeah. It was fun down the street. It was yeah. kind of like, like, yeah. It was kind of like, uh, I mean, I'll, I think I'll close in this because we, we probably can talk for an hour about the Masters, but we shouldn't. Um, it was like when the, you know, how, how they do all these movies and they're like reboots of old TV shows. Yes. It's like that, but except good, you know, because those all suck. Like, like it was like, cause it, you know, as bad as some of those suck, sometimes there's a bit of nostalgia. And like, you know what? This is a shitty movie, but I love that TV show, or I, I love the original, and it was cool. Like, this was like that, but way better because it didn't suck at all. Like, it yeah. was such a fun throwback yeah. to it was, you know, watching golf when I was younger, a younger man. So no, it was it awesome. Was. A lot okay. of fun. I'm, I'm. I, and now I'm already. I already have a goddamn membership to the Fantasy Nationals, so I'll probably have there to you go, man. golf again this week. Now you're a golf guy. Um, okay, so no, I'm uh, a golf guy. We're not done talking Tiger. We're not done talking golf or the, or the Masters, but we'll put it aside for now. Uh, but we it we do do a little. You know, it is worth noting. Andy, congratulations on hitting Tiger eighteen to one. Not only did you get an amazingly good price there but uh you kind of added a little cherry on top of the sunday that was that experience and that is very cool um one and we got our hole in one never yeah we got our hole in one you got two of them in fact i missed the first one and i was like man this is getting a little dicey and then i saw the justin thomas one and i was like yes it's good it was hilarious oh this is the second one oh okay (laughs) so so that was i had i had my computer up too to watch uh to watch the whatever 16, the, the alternate 16, screen there, yeah, the sixteenth hole, yeah, yeah, the, and uh, I had Twitter open, and I just sent a, a tweet about how I, I bet a matchup, dude, on Sunday, and the guy I bet I don't remember who Holmes and Walker. I had a matchup where my guy was losing by nine strokes after like six holes. <laughs> yeah, like Holmes, he just Holmes, he just Holmes didn't have. It. Sometimes they don't have it that day. Yeah, he yeah, he didn't have it that day. So I sent the tweet out. I sent a tweet out about, and even before I got that bad, I think I sent a tweet out how he was behind like seven strokes and three holes or something. And all of a sudden, my notifications and my DMs just flashed hard. And I'm like, I didn't <laughs> think it was that good of a tweet. Like, like maybe people feel bad. But like, a, like four or five people like instantly replied to it saying, well, yeah, but you just got a hole in one. And I got a few DMs from, from people. I'm like, oh, shit. Because I didn't even see it, you know? Oh, you see great. that shit live sometimes. No, you don't. Yeah, for sure. That's so. So yeah, I, I I saw the Justin Thomas one, and I was racing to to message you about it. But then uh, then they were like, "That's the second one today," and I was like, "Oh, okay, shit. Well, I missed the first one." Um, but yeah, uh, it, it, it was. I gotta say, I gotta say, getting up early on Sunday and having that 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 uh, whole package condensed was fucking awesome. Like I, we had a we had a whole huge uh, you know group of people in Long Beach for the Long Beach Grand Prix as uh, an Indy car race that uh, happens every year in April. Uh, and so we were we were hosting and and had just badass like bloody mary party watching you know that condensed version of the masters was fucking sweet um and i know obviously well, that was probably smart that, that was that very smart the, the three the three groupings extremely no, the, just with extreme. the weather that was that was yeah, uh, they, great they uh, a lot just, of times yeah. 
we we bet a lot of tennis. Like every tennis tournament director can take a note because tennis scheduling usually is so shitty, especially when there's bad weather. All of a sudden they're playing like someone has to play a semifinal and a final on like the same day or so a quarter and a semi on the same day. It gets real shitty in a hurry when there's weather and tennis. Like they just don't know what the fuck they're doing. They but yeah. anyway, so we were talking with yeah. Rob yeah. Zola last week. Yes. And we got off the air. We got yeah. off the air, and he had kind of closed. I mean, besides the point he made about, like, learning some coding, learning something like that, the point that really stuck with us was just something we, we've tried to stress, but it's hard even for, you know, once you know about it, it is the, like, not worrying about the... What, what do you want to call it? The narratives, the narratives on TV, the narratives on Twitter, the narratives and whatever news sources you're, you're getting on online or through social media. And like, just, just letting that kind of wash over you and trusting, trusting what you see and your process rather than just listening to what everyone else is saying in the media. And it kind of got us thinking about something we've wanted to talk about for a while and might encompass a couple shows because there's a lot of, it and whale if you want to yeah so let's do part one evergreen podcast yeah evergreen podcast on uh on cognitive biases this will be part one we'll hit some of our favorites some of the easy ones today uh kind of this is and this is cognitive bias stuff this is obviously translates to lots of many many walks of life not just sports betting but they happen to all apply in terms of important lessons to kind of keep in mind if you are getting into this relatively heavily if you're trying to go make a leap from a recreational better to a rec plus better or a rec plus better to a pro better like these are important you know, important things that you need to kind of recognize exist uh, because they impact the way you make decisions and it, at its core, cognitive biases are, you know, the, this is literally just these are the potential mistakes that you're going to make, right? I mean, like, that's basically what we're getting at, right? Like, you're going to make mistakes because of the way the human brain is, uh, is wired. Uh, and, you know, we want to point out a couple Your of brain is working you against some, you right now. All day long. Whether or not you know it. Whether or not you know it. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, so we figured it would be a lot of fun to kind of recap like cognitive biases and give you some real life gambling examples of, of these in, 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 you know, in action. Um, and, uh, this will be part one. We'll hit like five of them today. That sound good, Andy? Yeah. We'll kind of, we'll start with the light ones. We'll start with the light ones. Some we'll of this get, stuff we'll gets, get increasingly gets more complicated. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, off the top of your head. If I tell you there is a game, yeah. an important gambling <laughs> bias, what's the first one that comes to mind for you? And yeah, the, it's recency bias. You'll see this a lot. Like even even people who you can say what is a cognitive bias and they couldn't answer it, they might have still have heard of recency bias and even maybe tried to you know fight against. It. I think that's going to be the biggest thing is we're going to have to talk about. And maybe we don't have all the answers since we're not trained clinical psychologists, but uh, well, I'm not, I don't know about you, but how to try to overcome some of this. Cause you can know about this all you want. It'll still, yeah, right. it'll affect you. Sure, a sure. lot of but, it is just subconscious shit. Well, no, so, I mean, I but mean, yeah, recency very, bias, I think very, that's the most common yeah. one. Yeah, this is, and there's a very, very, very straightforward um, application to overcome this one. This one, you don't need a psychologist to, to help figure out. 
Um, but and and recency bias, you have there are two very very important factors to this. One is how it impacts your perception, and the other is how it impacts the market at large. Okay, because with all this stuff, true. sports betting is not necessarily just this is what I make the game. It is this is what I make the game, and this is what the market makes the game. And for sure, recency bias plays directly into a handicapping angle of buying low and selling high on certain teams at certain times uh, when basically the market has evaluated this team and how hot they are and it said they are this is who they are. They are this good now, and because of that, you can find opportunities to get uh, get good prices uh, to you know to sell at the top or buy 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 at the bottom. Um, and kind of, I guess, is there anything about the definition of recency bias that's worth putting a finer point on before we kind of roll right into an example that I want to ask you about? I mean, not really. It really is self descriptive as far as. It, ha- your, it has to do your has to automatic, do, right? automatic bias to what you just saw. Yeah, like, your brain, um, right? Your brain weigh. It's it's really it's about right. It's about your brain weighing, events. right? It's about your brain weighing recent information more heavily than a broader sample of data. Um, and you know, and this is complicated too because for certain sports and for certain. And in general, you do want to upweight recent information because you know teams learn, teams improve, teams regress, and you're going to see that signal if you are looking at the more recent compared to the long-term trends. The important thing, though, is to not overreact to those, right? And to have the appropriate uh, delta on the improvement and see what the market is making that delta and, and evaluating whether or not it's it's an overshoot, you know, an, an overestimation. So, okay, recency bias. Um, and we did we did say that a little off the air too, like. For every bias, for every action, there's an equal and opposite. You know, it just you you can't over overdo it the other way either. Like you you do need to just stay level headed. A lot of this stuff, it's gonna mess with your head the other way if you start thinking about it too yeah. much. You yeah, can't okay. let it get in your head and, and okay. take take into account too hard. But you don't want to just straight fade it for the fact of fading. Like exactly, you know, the, exactly. The, the public's all the public is. You know, their recency bias. I'm just gonna automatically go the other way. Sometimes that's not right. Sometimes yeah, for sure. the, the right play is no play. Yes, that's a great point. Uh, so recency bias, and tell me if this is is uh, is an example. If there's a play or no play, <laughs> uh, Tiger Woods, the excitement of that, the excitement of that Masters was so so emotional for the sports loving public in general, myself included, uh, and I was immediately like, oh my god, I cannot wait for the next big golf tournament. And lo and behold, the PGA Tour. And the PGA body itself has done us a solid this year and has moved the PGA championship to May. So we don't have to wait to, we don't have to wait till Father's Day for another uh, major golf tournament. We have the PGA tournament coming up in a month. And it's at Beth Page Black in New York. And guess what? Yeah, Tiger Woods right. is fucking amazing there. He has some is he has some outstanding performances at Beth Page Black. And then you look down the calendar to the US Open in uh in June, and guess what? It's at Pebble Beach. You brought up in the intro Tiger just making look like other golfers did not know how to play the game of golf. That was maybe nowhere else more on display than the US Open at Pebble Beach, where he was, I think, 18 strokes yeah. under par, and the next closest golfer was like minus one 
or something literally insane like that. And from, you know, from the, you know, from the, the, the close the E1 wire to wire and it was uh, you know, not even close. And so here we go. We're going back to Beth Page Black. We're going back to Pebble Beach. Uh, is it a f- matter of recency bias? Uh, and I caught myself doing this. I was literally like, dude, we thought 48 hours ago, we thought, I wonder if Tiger will ever win another major again. And now here I sit, having just watched him win the Masters, and I'm thinking to myself, can he win the next two? <laughs> and I'm like, this is this is ridiculous, right? I mean, like, obviously, like, there's got to be some of that built into the prices that they've opened for this. The excitement, the the recent. Well, they of, made of they made him a win. favorite in everything. He's a favorite across the board, right? Right, for sure. <laughs> now here's now here's the million dollar question: Was there is was the adjustment to making him the favorite? purely out of respect for the public are going to now go bet him or was there something well, yeah, on display so. at oh, the masters that great. he is better than the field he he can be but i don't know about you know just starting betting into like eight to ones on him that's a little maybe, maybe win another tournament or play very well in another tournament first then we can start talking about that but i mean i think if i have a tiger ticket it's going to be a live one as far as maybe you know, a live bet, second or third round, if he's What's hanging the, around, because he he's a reasonable number should be like, you know, I mean, he won the Masters, so he played great, he looked good, ball striking was wicked good, he played great every time he went in the woods, he missed a lot of putts, so he left a lot of like, I felt like he should have won by like six strokes, but no, I mean, as far as but like the, the recency kinda, bias is there, that if you want to get back to the board point, like, that's a, I, no, but yeah, it's an important part of it's an important part of the question, which is that like he he won that masters pretty decisively because I agree with you that he missed a ton of makeable putts on for on Thursday and Friday. Uh, he had a bunch oh, of God. unfortunate shots that he could have he could have run away with that thing and to a degree and and okay. Now, I want to challenge one thing that was relatively common in terms of not only the breakdown in the moment and then following up the people's analysis of it. Did you get a sense that anyone on tour, that anyone in the, even in his final group, were they, um, you know, mentally impacted by Tiger's presence and his kind of momentum and him coming on? Like, I, I, don't think so personally. I think a lot of that was overstated and overblown. But do you think anyone in the group performed differently knowing that Tiger Woods was coming on? And would you expect the field to be concerned about him in the next two majors? I don't that's super hard to like I think we're getting too deep in the woods on that. Like that's a very unanswerable question, I think. Like it's it's tough. I think you can say Molinari played worse because of the Tiger effect, but honestly like I just think that was maybe a regression to how can yeah. you play that perfect for that long? Yeah. And I mean, Fino played a good round. He just had a couple bad shots and that's going to happen. I mean, he's still in his twenties. He, he'll, he'll be around. I think uh, I hate his fucking guts and I hope he breaks both his legs, but Ian Poulter played great. <laughs> like, I, I think he's going to be around. 
He's just a smug um, bastard. I don't like him. Okay. Um, but you know, as far as you know, as far as like, I mean, this is the definition of recency bias. Yeah, people are people are gonna pound Tiger and the other. Like they have to. I mean, there's just a market adjustment that needed to be made. Like people are gonna run to the window. I want to. I want to bet on Tiger. Like I, yeah. I want to make some money off Tiger. He's he's back. And yeah. if you, I mean, you don't want to offer him at the ten or twelve to one that he might. You know, me and my it might be the actual market price what it should be you you knowing how much money you're going to take on them you do, as a book as a you got to be a liability yes, you don't want that sure. yeah for you sure. don't want that liability on your head okay so uh so it's 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 potential i i think it was a fraught and untrue narrative of the field being impacted by him and but but it's not it's you're right it's an unanswerable question because sure enough the gallery was like legitimately cheering when molinari fucked up they were legitimately uh you oh know god, they were I they were like bad for him i did too i was like good god almighty like you only need to cheer but i i was doing it personally i was like yeah yeah i mean because the only i you know i i tailed our buddy j matt jd uh, on his uh, on his three unit uh, Molinari over speed drone strike, uh, and that was a that was a no sweat, freaking awesome play by JD. So shout out to him. But uh, I was pulling against Molinari. I didn't want him to win. Um, and you know, it's it's, uh, it's it's possible that the emotional, you know, kind of you know, you're feeding on the emotions of the crowd at a lot of these sporting events, stuff like this, and and you know, it's 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 possible that that had an impact, and it'll be interesting to see how things go down at Page Black because I got a funny feeling that the gallery is going to be as, if not more, excited to pull for Tiger at the next Slam as they were in Augusta, if not even crazier, because it's going to be a little bit less of a of a of a golf snob crowd, I'm guessing. Um, and I also think that it's possible that it's it's very easy to overstate Tiger's performance at the Augusta this week because he is so familiar with the course and they really did lay it out for him so well. Like they I mean, really, do, they do you really just gave him all the I mean, was, do you want it? Was, should we just do a golf podcast? I mean, no, 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 no. I but I think I think this is like I think this is like a perfect jumping off point to talk about recency bias because I like I don't know what to do now going forward in terms of evaluating tiger if, in betting the next oh, couple you can't. I, don't, I don't think you can bet i don't think you can like put serious money on them like, it's just okay the, so the, how do the you numbers are just silly they're silly low like, so how do you go about, if you yeah, want to get some go, tiger you, yeah. I, you, you don't I, I don't know like i'm not a professional golf better i have no idea i just know those numbers are silly like he's not he's not 30 year old tiger this isn't this is people are getting it's the definition of you know the point we were trying to make before we you know started recapping the fourth round again it's it, people are caught up in the emotion of it and that's why the numbers are the numbers because they know people are caught up in the emotion they have to set the market accordingly as the money starts pouring in on beth page tiger to win yeah right like, i mean so, this is the greatest definition of it and, and it, it goes to the you know the the team the football team wins a big game on Sunday night or you know yeah, a, of course. a pitcher a pitcher throws a no hitter nah maybe not a pitcher throws a no maybe maybe that is a good case where as far as you know not the next game but maybe his next start he's going to be overpriced people remember that because it's going to be all over like oh it's Sunday night baseball and guess what last time out Kershaw threw a well, maybe no, bad no. example yeah. Kershaw yeah, yeah. maybe a few years ago but you know Kershaw <laughs> went nine scoreless last time. Yeah, you know that you do that's been, just like we talked about with the point Pozzola made with uh, the narratives all that 
Like, you know, you're going to feed into the narratives. You're going to get people up to a frenzy and the market's going to reflect it. Yep. Good point. Okay. Um, all right. Let's move on to the next bias unless you have any final points on recency bias. Um, and just recognize. No, no I mean, it's, it's a simple one. Just recognize that. Yeah. Recognize it. Yep. Okay. When, when, um, when the, when the emotions are high on, on a player team, whatever have you, let's you, talk you about, gotta realize yeah. it's going to play a part of the price. Yeah. Let's talk about the, uh, the second most, uh, most common that, uh, that, that would be relevant for gambling. And that is the gambler's fallacy. Can if I if I just put you on the spot and I say, hey uh, Andy, uh, what 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 is the gambler's fallacy? Like presumably, if you're in the gambling space, you've you've heard of this before. If not, you ought to know of this. But the gambler's fallacy is well uh, well known cognitive bias. Uh, how how does uh, how does this work? Maybe even more well known than the recency bias, even though you see this more often because we're not playing. I mean, roulette's a great example, but it just um, so what did we say before when we were looking at it? pattern, seeing patterns and patterns in random events. And yes. it's, you know, we brought up, I just said roulette. It's the whole reason that when you walk up to a roulette table, they have that, that, you know, that screen. They didn't used to have that sort of thing back in the day, but that, that screen makes people make bets. You see a bunch of black in a row or you see a bunch maybe even a bunch of like single digit numbers in a row you say oh it's going to be a high number this time or a lot of black oh it's going to be red like you can't help it that that's gonna even when you know about it that's gonna automatically pop into your head and i mean you're all you are is seeing you're seeing a pattern where there isn't one there's no pattern it's random every time like over a big enough period of time over a really large sample things will even out but you'd have to play roulette for a very long time. And it's the same thing in sports. You know, they'll, they'll talk about, oh, the dogs are barking today or, you know, underdogs are coming in. Ah, it's, it's an under weekend. Or the fact that all the unders hit the NBA playoffs. And yeah, 8 no for the unders. You have this to say, look at, like, are, 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 the numbers getting, are the numbers getting adjusted? Should I just be playing over? Is there a pattern? Like, is there actually a pattern there? Or is it just a bunch of random events that wasn't how many games was it eight eight eight, eight no everyone's played right everybody's played. everybody's played one. eight is not a big sample size no eight, eight is a tiny sample size especially when a couple of them under, were you know, a couple of them were extremely lucky under hits like like incredible yeah lucky. i mean it's the jazz yeah, it's last not night. like oh you had the under like, on all these teams they, they can't do it jazz under you better thank your stars because that that was yeah, I don't think there's like key. some correlation to that. It's it's not like oh, all these teams are nervous and they can't shoot, or, right. or like in you know the final four where oh, they're playing in a goddamn you know football arena and they can't hit a three. Like yeah. these are the same teams who played all season. That's just a very small sample size. And again, we talk you. about it. You see, you see, yeah, you see Twitter accounts, you see, um, you know, media outlets saying that all the games went under, and you're gonna have people. There will be people that betting over. You know, just because of that, well, they're doing, and vice versa. It's, it's a pattern, and vice versa, and, or yeah, and, or, or yeah, clustering. People, yep. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so, um, okay. A couple things on this topic in this in this item. Uh, number one, uh, it is a there is a, you know there is conventional wisdom out there that you know once the playoffs roll around, it is generally you know is generally plays to a tighter um, you know tighter. Uh, games are tighter, 
you know, fourth quarters are lower scoring, and in general, the games are a little bit lower scoring. That is that is known and true, and it is one million percent built into the line. You looked at a bunch of the lines over the course of this weekend, and the exact same matchups which were played a couple of weeks ago are five, six points lower. For you know, and and so for sure, recognize that that is built in in the first place. And even then to then go eight and no of the under was pretty wild. And f- for sure people are looking at that pattern like, Oh, well, you know, this confirms, you know, that unders are for real in the playoffs and we should play every under. Uh, and I, you know, the net Sixers was the biggest example. I, I put, I put some, I put some pretty decent stacks on those overs today because that really just, that, that was, that was such a, that was so crazy that that under hit not only were, not only did it go under by four or five points less than the Sixers missed free throw attempts, but the Sixers went three for 25 from three point, which is their worst performance of the entire season. And it wasn't even because the, the, the Nets were playing especially good perimeter defense. The Sixers just couldn't hit a shot to save their lives and it was in their head. So, you know, it's, it's a, uh, but you, you're and, exactly and right. About the whole that. 62 points in the first quarter 62 i like that that's good stuff um so hopefully that hopefully that game gets to about 235 today because that would make me pretty happy um okay let's uh, so let's let me let me let me uh, ask oh, we you played uh, some a little little, yeah we did yeah we did uh let me ask you some um <laughs> let me ask you something about um unders i mean sorry about uh you know why why did you bring up roulette as an example for this Oh, I, I feel like a ton of people know this example. The the other name for the gambler's fallacy or clustering illusion is the Monte Carlo bias, Monte Carlo fallacy, because <laughs> of the famous story. And I, I feel like because just the, because yeah, I've seen okay. it reported, like I'm sure if, I think it's true, but like a hundred years ago, black came up at a at a roulette table twenty six times in a row, and people just kept lumping more and more money on red because you know, in your head, they don't, these people aren't thinking that this role is a independent event. They're thinking red is due. Why won't it come red? It's, it's, it should come red. It can't go black every time. And the, you know, the legend is that that people lost like millions of French francs betting against this because yeah, yeah, we looked it up. It was 1913. So who knows how true this is, but even if it isn't a hundred percent, you know, if it's a bit, uh, Oh, there's a word for it, but you know, uh, even if it's more lore, even if it's more of a fable than reality. Yeah, if it's more lore, apocryphal. Even if it is a little apocryphal, um, there is a good lesson here as far as like 26. Maybe it's a little bigger sample. And granted, the odds I looked this up as well. The odds of going black 26 times in a row are one in 66 million. Yeah. Yeah. But that does not mean on the 26th roll, it's 66 million to one. The other way, or one to 66 million that you're going to go red, it's yeah. still just a little under 50% with the green yeah. one in there. So, yeah, I mean, it's... it does not matter. The, the only It is 66 million to one for something to happen that many times in a row. But the only way that you're seeing those kind of odds as if you're betting for it to happen 26 times in a row. If you bet on black each time, you're still just betting 50-50 pretty much. So right, it, right. it is something, you know, the, like that's a very famous example. And that's the same thing like, uh, you know, a, a team just can't beat another team and the other do they can't. And it's hard to, it's hard to lo- beat the same team three times in a season, that sort of thing. 
Yeah, right. Right, right. How about missing 27 straight three-point attempts in Game 7 of the Western I was just, Yeah, it's funny because I was going to bring it up. I was going to bring it up before when you talked about the, the uh, Nets game, but uh, that uh, I figured that there'd be another something. spot for right about there. <laughs> that, yes, was that was something, man. pretty wild. Hey, uh, speaking the, of Monte Carlo. that happening? Just, yeah, speak, speaking of Monte kinda, Carlo, I haven't gotten – I have it in my queue, but I haven't gotten a chance to listen to the ball boys yet on the Monte Carlo Open. It's uh, clay season. It's tennis. I got the itch. I'm, I'm itching to bet some some clay tennis, but I, I got to get reimmersed into what's going on on tour right now. Did you guys get any? Or you know what what's what's the happening with the Monte Carlo Open? This is uh, the third uh, Masters uh, event of the ATP calendar uh, and the first big clay tournament down in Monte Carlo. Yeah, it's 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 exciting and it's not because it's exciting to be a Masters, which is the second big second biggest kind of tournament in men's tennis behind the slams but a lot of points also, a lot of money at stake I mean, yeah a lot of points a lot of money it's fun uh, monte carlo is a beautiful setting some of the wide shots of that that place are just awesome oh, it's so but at good. the same time them. it's there's there's two there's two huge names and i mean it's pretty much going to be a you know Novak Djokovic and uh, Rafa Nadal in the final, unless someone's injured or you know something awful happens. And granted, upsets happen, but yeah, the 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 outright prices were pretty pretty well out of whack as far as doing anything with it. So uh, my ball uh, boys co-host here at Big Ten Wado, he took a couple of longer shots in the middle, but it's it's a fun tournament, and there's <clears throat> you know just because. It's nearly predetermined, even with the odds. One of the, you know, Raf is like even money to win a tournament of this size, which is ludicrous. He's won a lot of them. It's uh, <laughs> he has won a lot. He's won of, a I mean, lot he's of Monte won Carlos. Like 10, 11 yeah. times here. I think he's but, got uh, 11 just, titles. Yeah. Yeah. Just because the outright prices are not fun. Is team in the uh, same half of the draw? Is team, is, team There's in, a ton. Uh, is team in the second, second quarter? In, is he in? So is that Djokovic's yeah, half? half? Djokovic is yeah. in the top. Yes. Okay, teams in the second yeah. quarter, and then uh, and then the dolls on the bottom. Okay, C- question yep. about Djokovic. Uh, he's underwhelmed a little bit, I, in my opinion, uh, since the Aussie Open. Uh, he didn't win either of the two uh, Sunshine in in the Sunshine Double. Uh, in fact, he got eliminated pretty early uh, in both. Right, <clears throat> he got punked by uh, yeah. uh, RBA in one, and uh, yeah, Kulcher got him in the other. Kulcher, that's right. Two really unimpressive performances. He plays Schreiber tomorrow. Uh, okay, so uh, are we are we just assuming team. that he's got his form still from the you know being the last three, uh, you know, winning the last three slams? He's going to be just a badass. And we haven't decided skates. that. Okay. And Kelly okay. did allude to it too, and that's half the reason why he was fine taking Dominic Team, even though he's in that top half of the draw at seven to one. <clears throat> he has a theory, and these sometimes these theories pan out in tennis because tennis is funny; it's an individual sport like this, and there's a lot of motivational angles. But he seems to think that Novak is just more than happy to not worry too much about winning all these clay tournaments and getting his. Not not calendar slam, but his Novak slam or whatever you want to call it, by winning winning Roland Garros here in the, what about so a month? He's just so he's so he's just got to get his his game his clay game into top form over the next month and a half. Yeah. And Which then, is not to say then, he can't just roll through this tournament. Yeah, he's uh, he doesn't he uh, he hasn't looked good the last handful of times he's played Nadal on clay. In fact, Team kind of owns his ass on clay. 
uh, over the last handful of uh, of times yeah. they've gone head to head. So I, I have to see it to believe it that Djokovic is going to be this amazing clay player. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I I'm ride or die with Nadal unless he really does get to uh, take on some sort of pretty even big money. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think that's a decent bet. I think you know, I I would bet him at even money to win. I would bet him at even money or better to win Monte Carlo, Barcelona, uh, um, Madrid, Madrid. Rome, and Roland Garros. Rome. I think, I, yeah, I, I think if you see a plus money number on Nadal in any of those five tournaments, it's a fine, it's a plus CV wager in my opinion. Um, and that's even with Novak in the field with him. That's with team in the field with them, even though and both. The, you, and yeah. at this point, he is actually minus 120 to win the tournament right now on a, a local offshore. Okay, that's that, that's that's getting closer. That's that's pretty close. Okay, anyway, um, okay. So Monte Carlo, uh, the Monte Carlo Gambler's Fallacy, Clustering Illusion. That 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 is a great cognitive bias uh, and a, a fun jumping off point to talk about Monte Carlo. Otherwise, um, but um, you know, but but without a doubt, make sure that you recognize when you perceive a pattern. Uh, you know, you need to be a little bit diligent and a little bit, you know, a little bit cog, you know, a little bit. Um, you know, just just respectful of the fact that the pattern might be, you know, might be completely random and uh, and not indicative of what will happen in future events. With that said, uh, which one should we do next? You got another one that's a favorite for for. Uh... You did. You were a <laughs> little pre-production yeah. meeting. Yeah. Over yeah. Uh, overconfidence. Overconfidence. Yeah. So this is this overconfidence bias is is again relatively straightforward. Um, you know, and it's, it's impactful in terms of gambling because you can put together a relatively impressive, um, stretch of results and use that, you know, stretch to convince yourself or to, you know, to, to basically to delude yourself into believing you have something figured out and that, uh, and that is kind of, that is kind of the perfect opportunity for regression to come calling for you. If you're overconfident and you're not putting in kind of the, the due diligence in terms of handicapping, you are going to be, find yourself in deep trouble. Um, and even more specifically for me, overconfidence has always kind of struck me in the heart of, uh, you know, thinking that you have some level of, of subject matter expertise that, carries over from one sport to another uh and i will even use the nba specifically point to one sport to another one sport being the regular season nba and the other sport being playoff nba and the idea that like yeah okay in the regular season i finally tuned uh, an edge betting games and totals in regular season but this is a different game uh, and I don't have as much of an edge, and I needed to be a lot more cognizant of that and take in some data and, and get a feel for how the playoffs and these teams were, you know, were positioning themselves in the playoffs before really getting, you know, getting into it. I didn't. I went ham like I do all, every fucking year uh, and got slaughtered on Saturday. And, and uh, I put, I, yeah, I turned my staking way down on Sunday and put a couple of bets in play, and even those got fucking beat. So I, I just have, I have no edge right now in the NBA playoffs at all. I need to pick my spots much more carefully, uh, and I'm going to be doing that going forward for the rest of the playoffs. I'm still going to bet them. I'll still post my plays publicly. Uh, I just need to recognize, and I need people who are following along for you know to recognize that um, my edge betting in, in the NBA playoffs isn't anywhere close to what it was in the regular season. The key kind of fundamental things that I was using to find value in 
game by game betting in the regular season are not present in the playoffs. And therefore like for sure, my edge is diminished and I need to just recognize that and not, not be playing with overconfidence. And this goes, uh, you know, this <clears throat> it's, goes it's for good to like realize like that's huge. That's huge yeah. to know like that it's cause it is different. Like you're not, the travel is different. You're playing the same team over and over. You have different rest spots you know there, there's there's quite a bit of difference there's, there's no different ro- there's, there's different no, rotations like, rest. you know yeah, you're not resting players yeah, yeah. Well, yeah there's quite a bit of different rotations as far as like keeping guys out there longer with fouls so it, it is a completely different kind of basketball once you get to the playoffs so well, half the battle knowing is half the battle yep and it's funny like we we talk about these and <clears throat> we talked about some other ones off the air that we're not going to get to today, but you see yourself in a lot of these. Like I know I'm a I, I I can fall victim to some of these biases, but like overconfidence has never been a problem for me. I feel like I go the other the other way. Well, that's like, a good uh, skill to have. That's a good. Of, if no, you're, I, you're, I feel if like you're a I humble like if you're a humble a sports better. No, no, no way, dude. No way. Having that, I mean, it's, it's, well, gonna, I don't, it's, it's I don't need, I don't need to try. I'm going to cut you out because it's not okay, humble. It's not yeah. being humble. It's being worried. Like, okay. I get worried because okay. I know, like, what's cape, what, what, uh, what good betting looks like. I know what winning looks like. And I, you know, there's some people that would crush a weekend or crush a week and they'd say, I'm doubling mistakes because I'm, I'm seeing the board clearly. Or if they're, you know, if they're, if they're doing more than that and they have a database model, so my model has got it figured out, I'm winning. I'm going to, I'm going to up my stakes. I'm going to play more games. I'm going to lower the threshold so I can bet more games with this. And when I would have a good week, all I would worry about was the week after that. Because I just know like how it goes. You know over a long enough time, like if you have a really good run, you're going to have a bad run. It was amazing some of the DMs I'd get, like when you'd get a during the college basketball season, especially when I was putting on a lot of plays. Like I lost I played one game a day for four days. And that was not by design. That was just the the one play that the model was seeing. And all four of them lost and i got like some dms like are you worried about this like <laughs> yeah do you think it lost i had just gone 18 and 5 before those four games I'm like no yeah. i'm not like you, everything's a bigger sample size than today or this week and you know like if you have a hot streak or a couple hot streaks you're gonna have a cold streak everything just goes and it ebbs and flows so like yeah when when i would get to a point where somebody would be overconfident, I would get scared because I just knew what was coming and undoubtedly it always does. And maybe that's the lesson here Yeah, is if you do have a good week, a good weekend, like I'm not saying don't, don't uh, raise your unit size or your stake ever, because you know, if your bankroll is bigger and you say, I want to bet one, 2%, one or 2% is bigger now. Feel free to do that. But you know, I've seen people say, I'm doubling. I'm doubling. Yeah, now. that's, that's, that, 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 that. Like, like that's, and then when you, you talk about what I just talked about and the, the bad times come and you doubled your bet, well, I mean, you might have won 60% of your games and lost money because when you had your cold streak, you were betting bigger. And yep. that can be a huge problem. So, I mean, just, yeah, keep it in check. Know, know that it's tough. And, yeah, again, like, just even keel, level-headed, it's going to get you a long ways. Don't let yeah. the, don't let overconfidence blow your wad. I love this. Uh, and, uh, you know, but you go, you're, you're pointing out something that I think, uh, you're right, it's not about being humble, but it, but it is a valuable skill to have in your DNA when it comes to just risk management. 
right? Like risk management is a skill that people learn. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if you learned this basically by kind of going through the reps, you know, and, and going through things over the course of just not all, all life decisions. Like you have, you know, certain, you learn certain ways to, to manage risk. And, and one of them is kind of looking at a set of results, observing positive, you know, positive results and, and kind of being conscientious of the fact that, you know, negative, you know, that the other side of the coin could be coming. Uh, even though this, to a degree, this is a little bit of gambler's fallacy. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, yeah, kind of, I mean, I, I mean, if you're, if you're only, if your only handicap was a single angle and that angle, you know, isn't always going to work, I guess maybe their regression is coming, but it's not necessarily true. If there's a specific, you know, if you're, if you're covering a broader range of, of this is why I'm placing these, this, you know, this suite of bets, like maybe not. So I don't know. It's, it's, an, this is interesting. Um, but without a doubt, you, the point you, you pointed out, which I 1 million percent suffered from the first year I started using a model to bet at the NFL, uh, I had like two weekends in a row, like weeks four and five, where I just freaking lit the board up and I was like, up, oh, I've got it. I got the freaking magic formula. No one else is smart or has ever thought of doing it this way before ever. And I figured it out. And now I know this so well. And I upped my stakes and just got up bloody murdered, uh, in like week six. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's, it's a good, uh, it's a good lesson just to kind of be, be, uh, you know, put, you know, put yourself in check, uh, after you have success and, uh, and, uh, you know, even if you are, even if you put together a record that is impressive over the course of you know multiple months, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you're an expert when you know the sport changes or the conditions change or whatever. You know, you put yourself in a new, an entirely new game theory scenario. You're not necessarily going to have that same you know amount of success or that same level of expertise. So, um, and with the NBA playoffs, it just might not be my thing anymore. <laughs> I just might not have it anymore. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll see how this goes. But uh, I, think I think maybe I, just I betting have... every game might be a bad I idea. know that. I know. I know. But it's tough because uh, it's so freaking fun. Um, I might be on to uh, – I, I shouldn't even say it. I'm going to let this play out. Um, okay. Uh, you want to move on to another one? Yeah. What's I, I haven't written down here. I gotta go back and look at the uh, we what's were, next we, on the diet. Those are three good ones, though. Those are three oh, good ones. There are two more. Availability, availability heuristics, and okay. this one maybe is a little more dense, but I think it is if you use it like broad, you know, broadly throughout life. And I think the examples we'll use are pretty easy to grasp, and you know, heuristics. Uh, heuristics just means cognitive biases, but the availability, the information that's available or the information that other people decide is available to you, that can be a big one. And I think the one I really wanted yeah. to hit on was the, go ahead. Let, let me give the classic, this is, let me give the classic availability heuristic example that's not gambling related and it's smoking. Right. Like, and I definitely remember this from, you know, being a, you know, not a kid of the nineties, right? Like you're like, smoking's bad. Uh, and somebody's like, well, I know somebody that smoked for a hundred years, you know, they, they smoked three packs a day and they're a hundred years old. So therefore, 
you know, it's it's basically they they draw some anecdotal example uh, and and then paint use it to paint a broader picture to challenge or reinforce some other set of beliefs. Uh, and you know, the it's it's uh, it's extremely it's extre- it's an extremely uh, um, dangerous thing for new betters, especially. Would you say as, as yeah. this applies to gambling? That, that's that's what you would call an illusion. Uh, an illusory correlation like it you're trying to create a correlation where there isn't one and just by by using a small piece of information and the one that comes to mind for me the gambling gambling twitter gambling media gambling social media gambling information is when you see uh you know like a media outlet or one of these sports betting companies, any of them, even some of the ones are actually just sports books who tweet this sort of stuff out. Hey, here's a guy that uh, hit a 15 team parlay. Like, and it's never just like, here's a, like amazing, this guy turned 20 bucks into 15,000. Like, you know, you're not getting that same sports book media outlet, what have you tweeting out, like, here's how much we made off parlays this year. Like you're you're getting the part of the information that they're choosing to give to you, and yeah. they're making you think I can do it. And the example, like we talked about off air, was I mean, such good timing to do this because we talked about this last <laughs> week. The like this, who knows? And I don't know how deep we want to get into the conspiracy theories of this. But the guy that bet eighty five thousand dollars on Tiger Woods. According to the the legends now that are growing, he cashed out a bunch of Amazon stock and took it and lumped it all on Tiger Woods to win the Masters to make you know like one point two million return. So that's getting tons of play, and oh, yes. there's none of these articles that's are good. saying you know, none of the articles are saying hey here's a huge outlier that can never happen. It's all you know amazing story you know make you can you know and they don't come out and say you can do this too. But basically, every time you see someone like, oh, this guy hit a 20-leg parlay card at yeah. Caesars, yeah. like the implication is yeah. it can be done and so it can be you. done. You, you don't see do. you don't see the numbers about how much money Powerball takes. Yeah, look at this you fucker who won the, the lottery in his life changed. What, yeah, yeah, the guy who won the lottery. Your his life, life is changed. completely changed. Yeah. 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 So, okay, I mean, so the availability bias, it, yes. it, it, it's more broad. broad oh, it's a lot more broadly... It's literally, yeah, that, but cherry, that's the stuff cherry, that really cherry picking comes. Of, right, right. Cherry, cherry picking, picking of, of information and, and putting it in front of people who don't know any better is fucking criminal. And in the world of gambling and information, I, I mean, I, I, at this point, I've my, I, I don't even react anymore because I had to stop rolling my eyes whenever I saw the tweet that came out of, like, look at this better hit this parlay. Like, I just can't digest it anymore. It's so fucking gross. Like, you're not going to win throwing these nonsense parlays around like long term, and nobody's ever couching that information. It's literally just, hey, look at this. They're just trying to trigger people to do something stupid, and it's freaking predatory. Um, this is a similar sort of example. Like the story, okay, the story first came out. Uh, you know, hey, this guy put uh, you know 85k at uh, William Hill, right, yeah, on Tiger, and like. The, and first and foremost, whenever these things are circulated with William Hill, I'm always I'm immediately suspect because they have a very, very, very well documented practice of banning 
uh, sharp long-term winners. And so the story like this comes out and they're like, who the hell did they find? You know, Floyd Mayweather, they, they went and hit his, knocked his door down and, and got him to put 85 K on, you know, on a, on a Tiger Woods ticket so that they could have a, a story to run with and, and get people, you know, get their mouths watering to put some action down on the masters. Like, like it, it's all marketing first and foremost, whenever you see anything related to William Hill, in my opinion. Uh, and then 85K was, it's, a, it's an unusually large number. Uh, it's to win over a million dollars. Like all of these are kind of like, you know, they're all checking boxes in my head of like absolutely viral marketing attempt, you know, attempts. Uh, and, um, you know, then he obviously wins and they come back and they're like, hey, yeah, you know what? Guess what? This is the first bet he's ever made, Right. And I, I read that without thinking about it much. And my, my, my gut reaction was quit while you're ahead, buddy. Like you can get the, get, take that money and never make another. <clears> you have the, the ultimate ROI. You will yes. retire. <laughs> never. You'll retire. Quit while you're ahead. The greatest yes. ROI of any gambler yes. in the history of any gambler of ever. past, future, yes. present, or anything. Yeah. Be, um, be the, be the point. The conspiracy. Yeah. Be the point one percent of long-term winning gamblers and never place another bet for the rest of your life. The other joke I immediately the conspiracy to make theory was, I like. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Oh, we have. Uh, in one of the chats I uh, frequent, we have an, an older gentleman from Arizona who listens to God sometimes, I know. His, yeah. his uh, an elderly elderly fellow, he's retired down there in Arizona. And he, he's not retired. he says, no, he's not retired. He's just old. But uh, oh, that's where people go, Florida and Arizona. Either that's good. way, his conspiracy theory was, and maybe it's believable that this guy placed this bet and he cashed it, but the part about it being his first bet ever, he's like, nah, he's just hiding his gambling from his wife. Like, well, oh. honey, this is the first time I've ever done this. <laughs> like, he, he went all he went all in on a bet. Like, who knows? Like, he's probably he's probably got he's back in Wisconsin, like writing a check to his bookie for oh, like thirty eight thousand dollars, and he he's gotta pay off like nine credit cards that he maxed out at like Bet Online. Like, <laughs> you know that? I think that I think that is much more likely than. Well, I just I just felt like I wanted to get into sports betting, and I wanted to do it by betting like forty mortgage payments at once. <laughs> yes. What on a on a, on a four, you know, on a what fourteen to one, you know, like the the implied probability of a fourteen to one is six and a half percent. Yeah, six what, and a half percent is, probability, like that. That's not like I could buy it. Someone really, really doing their math, find, you know, finding something and going like huge on some matchup, like a minus one ten matchup or something. But going that sure. big, I mean, if, if it's all true, kudos to me for having the world's biggest freaking balls. But yeah, I, I do believe the the theory about him, uh, like not play. This is not his first bet. That's that's it's worse not. Shit. It's so, just but I mean, back it's back to the yeah, back, and back to this back to the bias. Like this this is gonna get a lot of play. It's gonna like, get so much, much play if it's, if it's love, if it's they don't love the yeah right. If it's a million percent true, it yeah, was the world's they most don't love that ridiculous. Jack, but, it was the most. It makes the the money. story, as reported, it's framed in such a bullshit way. Like this guy just got out of twenty-five grand in debt, and blah blah blah. It's like 
okay, wait a second. Like this, if this is absolutely 100% factually true, this is like some of the poorest decision making you've ever, ever read about in your entire fucking life. And, and it's just, it just absolutely, and I wonder if that part's just trumped up shit too. Like it's just trumped I mean, up shit to frame it. It's trumped up shit to frame it in a way a to make this guy, especially sympathetic and to make him especially every man. Like, like, cause if it was yeah. just some like, freaking rich guy with like 85 K to blow and he went and made this bet, like it's not as compelling a story, right? Like, like this is yeah, absolutely... if they say he's $25,000 in debt, like that, so... if he's $25,000 in debt, he is so far ahead of the average American. You know what the average American no, is? That's true. No, 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 but no, their no. house and the, carpet. There was like, something, but there was something specific related to the debt, but, but all that aside, like. It still, it would be so full. It would be so fucking irresponsible, like so fucking humanly irresponsible. And now they're sewing this story, and they're gonna try to make this shit go viral and get a shitload of people, like you know, lathered up to go freaking bet on things. And my other fucking thought was like, oh yeah, and also you'll never (laughs) guess, you'll never guess, but you know, William Hill has raised his limit now to one point one nine million per bet. Like they are, you know, like anything they can do to freaking keep him betting there and now betting. For a shitload more with absolutely no expertise or or understanding of what he's doing and he's going to give it all back right like 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 oh, i yeah. like i'm you know on, how much I'm, you know I'm how much dreading, that buys I'm, and like paints out wisconsin dude i am dreading part two of the story like there will be a part two of the story and it's not going to be a good part whatever it is be it this was all a big fraud scam whatever or be it oh, uh, another good example of that better more, x or whatever know? yeah exactly yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the guy who was, was the guy who went like seven for seven in the playoffs, right? Right. True or not? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, there's, there's an, there's a real story. Yeah, all, all this stuff hey, to go viral, and they it's just fucking it. bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. It's going to get peddled because it does entice and excite, and it gets you excited to whether it's you know putting too much on an outright in a golf tournament or what have you, or just playing too many parlays. I think the biggest one is just like you said, the rolling your eyes and every time somebody hits a parlay, they love you. They love you to play a 10, 15 leg parlay like that. Keep doing it because somebody's going to hit it. Somebody's going to hit it, but it's not, it's not enough to make it hurt. Like there's enough people that don't hit it. This guy's this guy's like a this guy's like a local bookie or something like that, and he was just taking hand over fist money on Tiger, and so we went out and covered his sh- covered his shit. Wait, I, I haven't heard that, that theory that's, yet. That, that's that's what this is. There's no fucking way. Yeah, he gave up Tiger no at ten to one, and he bet him exactly. He bet him at twelve to one with and covered his fucking exposure like that. There, there's just there's no. Fucking oh, that's way! The thing too. He got a terrible, <laughs> terrible. Yeah, like of course. Was, I mean, I was I shot ten books to find my eighteen to one, but I mean, but, generally yeah. available was fourteen. Like, and maybe it was the size of the bet; they wouldn't take it. They said we'll take it, but at twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but, uh, enough, talk, way, enough about like, this bullshit. But the, the 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 important lesson from all of this isn't that it could be you. It's that you should not be taking $85,000 and putting it on something with an implied probability of 6% and expect any kind of return on investment in the long term that will, you know, that won't bankrupt you. So that's, that's kind of the, the, the real lesson that you should take from this, not, uh, not go play the lottery. Um, anyway, um, you want to do one last one and then we'll save the rest for part two. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's just, it is the lottery. I mean, those are lottery bets. It's like when you, I walk into my local gas station 
and they have a TV in front of the the counter where you walk up to pay, and all it is is a flashing like uh, what do you call it PowerPoint like presentation of people holding big checks that they won at Scratchers, like at that location. Like this yeah. guy won five thousand scratching tickets. Like like you know somebody's gonna see that and spend five ten bucks on those and it works. Like that sort of that sort of shit works. Marketing people know what they're doing. They're not yeah. stupid. So right, try, not, try to let that stuff wash over you. Right, it's not a plus EV play like Sixers first half team to- team total over. Uh, which finally, finally, off the schneid. I am back. I'm back in a big way. This cash two with and like eight. two minutes left to play. Um, yeah, two. <laughs> I know. I think I'm even. I think it's even worse than that. You're, you don't want it. You don't. You don't want it. You, you know what? You want to know today. Want to know today? That's correct, man. Um, all right, man. Uh, let's do one more, and then let's uh, wrap this freaking awesome pod. Love these topics. Love this. Love the. Love the getting to kind of weave in currents current well, you you, you know, picked the last stuff. one then uh, okay, i want to talk about one that i think is relevant for right now like super fucking relevant and it's information bias uh this is defined as a tendency to seek information when it does not affect action and more information is not always better with less information people can often make more accurate predictions so the information bias and the reason i wanted to bring this up is because i feel like this plays an extremely important role in attacking the prop market for the NFL draft there and, and really just being, you know, if being able to sift through uh, if information and disinformation and implying that, like if you actually went through and read every single tweet from every single draft expert and thinking that that would somehow give you a better uh, opportunity of prognosticating how the first round of the NFL draft will play out. I got bad news for you. It's almost certainly will not. And as much information as is out there for betting this market, there is equal, if not more, misinformation, disinformation, specific information that is meant to, um, you know, completely obfuscate what real intentions are, and you know, better position teams for making trades and and and. A, you know, capitalizing on, you know, or accruing draft capital and value. So uh, information bias is uh, is worth pointing out. Um, and mostly in the think, sense... And maybe I'm, yeah. maybe I'm off base here. Maybe this is a completely different thing, but, like, um, you see a lot of this on, you know, message boards or gambling Twitter, what have you, consensus plays. Like, you yeah, get a bunch sure. of guys together, and, and they, like, if they all agree on one thing, then it's a play. Like, I've never loved that idea. I've never seen it actually work well. Like, if they but all agree. It's Schwartz, kind of the same. The maybe, maybe it's a different game. But, yeah, it's just... <laughs> Schwartzman's going to yeah, win. I know, I know, I know. But I, <laughs> I know they convinced me. People convinced me today. And I yeah, really love Diego con- so you got, much. You got the He's consensus push, man. But, yeah. but, yeah, the, the consensus thing, like, it, it kind of feels like the same thing. Like, you take you take the information from a bunch of people. Or maybe, yeah, the, the same fact. Like, you follow a bunch of handicappers that do the same sport. And you see they're all on, you know, a certain play. Like, that play is probably still just as likely as any other play to win or lose. It just, it could be randomness. It could be, they all could be seeing something completely different in that game and betting it for different reasons. One could have a model. One could be a gut guy. Like, uh, you know, just taking the information, taking any information you have with a grain of salt and, like, actually discerning what's good information, what's bad information, and not, not, yeah, the paralysis by analysis thing as far as... yeah. You know, taking in too much information to try to make an accurate prediction on a sporting event. 
yes, same, same. Um, so in that in that vein, and in the information bias space, uh, do you have any strategies for kind of curating information and trying to kind of categorize things as 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 good, bad, and otherwise when it comes to the NFL draft? Yeah, I mean, we just it's listen mostly to Joey Nish. We, we just we just kind of listen to <coughs> Nish, right? <laughs> Yeah, there's a few guys I trust. Realistic, um, no, yeah, no, real, realistic. Honestly, like, like you can, like, you can make money, you can make money off this stuff too. Like, uh, just knowing, like, knowing how markets work and every market being different. Like, I have. I was just now. I'm sitting on your first overall. I'm, yeah, I'm sitting on what do you have? What do you have? What's for his face now? Tickets? So what's Kyler his, Murray what's his and face? Joey Bosa. Uh, what either Kyler, Kyler Murray or I've, Joey Bosa is going first? What, what do you read? What do you hear? Yeah, now, so now I have Kyler this? Murray. Yeah. As soon as you knew like the market was going to pile on Kyler Murray and I was hoping like I could get, I could get him down and I was hoping to get Bosa at like even money. Eventually I wanted to get Bosa at even money just to cover my stake. And now we're at the point where I have Kyler Murray at three to one and Joey Bosa at whatever the fuck I want. Like he's five to one in places Like you, you can sit there. I just don't see if, and it, you know what? And if something don't weird happens and neither one goes first, yeah. because, you know, yeah. If, oh, they haven't. Yeah. But uh, if something really weird happens and, and this is a biasy for next time and neither of those bets cashes, I will not be mad because that is, this is a position I will put myself in ten out of ten times. Like uh, oh, I'm very them. happy to have yeah. have the you know the consensus top two picks both at over three to one. So we're making money unless something real goofy happens. So it'll be very interesting to see. The draft I think is one of the markets where you will learn the least leading up to it from all the information that's piling in because a lot of it's just it's guys with deadlines that have to write stories that don't have the info they don't have the info they just have they have a little niblet here they have their own opinion they maybe have the opinion of an, another team that's not the team they need to write about and i feel like they're just putting together horseshit stories on hearsay and speculation and if you take a lot of that into account like i, I you're gonna lose a lot of money on draft props it's true. Draft, draft, <laughs> drafts get real weird. It's so hard to predict after the first few picks. Like things get real wacky in a hurry. It takes it takes exactly one trade for the first round to just go completely off the rails from every mock you've seen. <laughs> yes. And, you think... and then this year, and we'll we'll get into the draft eventually. This year, especially, like yeah, yes, right absolutely. away, you can see you can see some trades right. You'll see a trade within the top three or four picks for sure. Like Oakland trading up to get Murray one? I don't know, but I, I feel like three is high probability of getting traded down. I can yes. see any any number of teams trading up into one. Uh, I don't I think if it just stays with Arizona and I mean we'll get into this, but if it just goes Arizona and they do go Murray, if there's some sort of trade throws and then I don't know if we'll we'll see a trade at two. I don't know who's gonna trade up for Bosa. But I think you'll see a trade at three or four. Like it, it could get fun. This will be a fun draft. I, I can't talk myself into it because it, it sucks not having the big quarterback class. But it's still going to be a fun draft because it's going to be super unpredictable. Yeah. Here's here's what I'll say. 
if Rosen is traded, which he probably will be, my guess is it's not going to be for a 2019 pick. It's going to be for a 2020 pick. Like we've gotten too close at this yep. point, and and teams are, are are unless they are moving up in this draft because they have someone else high target, they are not. Uh, they're not. You know, you're not pulling the trigger and giving away a 2019 pick. Uh, for a guy, for you know, for a player like Rosen, I don't think, but 2020 probably. And so I, I don't know that Rosen trade really does affect the draft much, except for potentially taking a team that would otherwise draft a quarterback out of the quarterback market in round one, which may have some yep. secondary effects, right? So, uh, but you know, I think, but you, you kind of, you're at, at this point. I mean, you you don't want to hedge too hard away at that Kyler Murray number one overall pick, right? Like, that's probably the way this goes down, don't you think? Yeah, probably. Arizona's not pulling, like, the world's most complicated disinformation campaign. <laughs> they really yeah, they really do like yeah, and even even some of the reports where you see, like, what's oh, less likely now, like, I... I think it's super fluid. I don't even know if Arizona really knows. I think, I think the the Russell Wilson situation. I mean, we'll we'll get into this way deeper next week. But the Russell Wilson situation plays a big part into a lot of things that are about to happen. What do you think happens with Russell Wilson? You got a prognostication on this? I think, I think if you want to trade a first round pick for him, you do it. If you need a quarterback, I mean, he's not he's not 25, but, man, what he could do under the right coaching system with the right players around him, he could take any team, take the worst teams in the league, Arizona, Oakland, I mean, who else is the worst? Buffalo, Miami. I think he could take any of those teams and at least have them sniffing the playoffs. Like he's Dude, he's such an X factor, and it was the he, uh, worst coaching, the worst offensive coordinators, some of the worst him, drafting. What if you paired him with uh, Pat? What if you paired him with uh, What if you paired him with Pat Shermer in New York? Are they now uh, Are they now co favorites to win the uh, NFC East with the Eagles? Oh yeah, though that that would be a great move because even even with OBJ gone, they have some receivers. Man, they made, I mean, he, he we see he made Doug Baldwin look like an all pro. <laughs> like, yeah, he yeah. doesn't. No, he's he's made a lot of he's guess. made a lot of receivers out there look really good. He's yeah. uh, he's still shifty at his age. If he's healthy, if he had an offensive line, just trade him trade him anywhere. I don't even care about receivers. I don't care about a defense. Trade him somewhere with a coach and an offensive line. And Jesus Christ. It's a nine-one team at least. Mm. So maybe not. Team. So maybe not. New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I like Shermer, but they don't have no line. Yeah. Okay. No, All right, man. Well, let's wrap this up. Blood. Good job. This is a ton of fun. We'll get to the other ones next week. There's still a whole shit. There's a whole slew that we haven't touched, anchoring and cog and confirmation bias that are super important to sports betting. We'll get to those, those next week, ones. next time. In outcome, outcome bias part yeah. two. Cognitive biases part two. Um, all right, man. Not sure when that's going to be. Probably like in a couple weeks, huh? Because you got NFL draft next week. Yeah, I think uh, next year we're going to do some NBA playoff talk. We're going to do some NFL draft talk. Um, yeah, and then we'll probably get into another. I mean, we did get into a ton of stuff that's like current 
this week, but it's I still feel like the underlying uh, things were pretty evergreen. It's just yeah. it's tough to talk about these without using some real life examples. Real examples, exactly. and you know we'll, we'll put some. I'd love to post some articles too that we found, especially some people who we know that have written some articles about some of the stuff. We'll post some of that too. And yeah, if there is like a cognitive bias that's interested you and you have want us to talk about it, I mean, hit us, yeah. hit us in the you DMs write, reply because there. If you if you want to write really look into it, there's like yeah. yeah, that's right. And uh, there while are we're so on, many, so many of these yeah. biases. All right, and while we're on this kind of evergreen topic, by all means, if you haven't listen to the podcast we did last week with Rob Pizzola. It was fantastic. You will learn a ton about the industry beyond just, you know, the, the kind of thinly veiled uh, topic, which was the NHL. <laughs> we ended up having a much broader conversation yeah. about sports betting in general, and, and it, was, which is, it will be well great. worth your time if you so haven't already great. read it. So, uh, uh, probably not going to repost. And one, one uh, more bias for today, because this just, this tickled me. This tickled me <laughs> funnily because this has come up in multiple parts of my life with multiple people. But as we, I would, I said this, I went out to California the other week. As we sat in line, um, my wife's like, who gets the kids if we crash? I'm like, Jesus Christ, we, we're, we're checking a bag here. Let's not do this. And I just, to shut her up, I said, I'm not talking about this. That's macabre. And she seriously like texted my brother. To tell her, like, hey, here's who gets the kids, the dog, the car. <laughs> like, that's not like a binding <laughs> will, you know. But it, it's it's funny. It's it's called salient, salient bias, and it is funny yes. because you think, oh, I'm getting on an airplane. I'm, you know, uh, what what would happen if we crashed? You don't do that every morning as you get in your car. Way, 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 way more people die on the highway than die in airplanes. Way oh, more. Yeah. I, I bet more people are like. Yeah, more people are probably killed by bears than on airplanes. Like you, you don't think about it as you hop on the interstate in the morning, like, oh, I should write a will. But it's amazing how many people they get on a plane and they think about their mortality. It's it is funny about uh, the tendency to focus on you know plane crashes when you get on a plane. It's a but very. I digress. Very, that one just very, uh, that one doesn't really. I don't know if that one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that have, one applies to sports betting, but it just—I don't know if I have a salience. I don't think I have a salience bias for sports betting, unless you have a specific. If you have a specific thing in your past that you especially got burned or especially got rewarded, then maybe you look to that thing, uh, and kind of use that as, uh, use that as a jumping-off point when it has no no correlation or relationship. But I'll have to think on that one a little harder. All right, let's wrap it up. Great job. Yeah. We're and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch you on uh, Wednesday. Do a little NBA playoff talk. How's that sound? I think so. All right, let's do it. You're you're the expert on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Undefeated this week. <laughs> <laughs>